Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. We are the Arnie's, and we've got nothing better to do than be here with you. I'm Austin Terry, and I'm joined, as always, by my best friends and co-hosts, Matt Johnson and Keith Baker. Matt, how's it going? It's going pretty good. You know, another weekend in quarantine. So, I mean, man, I just couldn't think of anything better to do than, than to watch 2017's Academy Award almost nominated film, Justice League. And Keith, how you doing today? I'm doing all right. A little tired from my Louisiana trip, nursing a, a kind of a hangover. But other than that, I'm ready to talk. All right. Well, my friends, today is the big day. The finale in our series on Zack Snyder's DC Extended Universe. That's right. Today we are talking about a film that was years in the making and the culmination of so many great standalone movies. This is a film that the studio did right. They took the time to get us invested in every single character. And, oh, well, I'm thinking about the Avengers. Now, today we are discussing 2017's Justice League, a film that left many fans, including the studio, wondering what could have been. Well, we will be getting the answer to that question as well, because we also have to talk about the news that was just announced that HBO Max will be releasing the full Zack Snyder cut of Justice League in 2021. Matt, this is a pretty packed episode. Any thoughts before we roll the music? I guess I'm just curious, uh, do you guys like my mustache or would you prefer it to be CGI'd off? I prefer the CGI and I want you to say, yes, ma'am. Whatever she says, no more dying. (laughs) Okay, well, let's jump right into the facts of this movie. It was released March 25th, 2016, um, directed by Zack Snyder and Joss Whedon, written by Chris Terrio and eventually Joss Whedon as well, scored by Junkie XL, who was then eventually replaced by Danny Elfman. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like everybody got replaced on this one. Oh, yes, they did. Um, This film had a $300 million budget. It was at the time, it was one of the most expensive films ever made. It grossed $657 million worldwide, so that sounds like a success, but this film actually needed $700 million to break even, so Warner Bros. lost an estimated $60 million on this film. Which is crazy. I mean, Justice League, they were building towards lost money. Crazy. Can you give me a little background on how that works? Because they still made $657 million. Yeah, I mean, I don't have the exact numbers or math, but just kind of a general rule of thumb, you know, if you're somebody that's like, looking into how much a movie costs to make. If you go like on Wikipedia, for example, it'll tell you the budget, but that doesn't include marketing. So for example, when Austin says that this movie cost 300 million to make, which includes all the crazy reshoots they did, it doesn't include the marketing budget, which typically the rule of thumb is it's cost the exact same amount as the budget, meaning just basically double it and you'll get the full cost. So that probably means this movie costs $600 million to make and market. And if they only made like 70 million as a profit, that's not the type of money that is going to warrant spending 600 million to make a movie. So obviously this led to a lot of changes in the DCEU. Um, Lots of people got fired. (laughs) So it was just a shit show. Yeah. And let's go ahead and run through the cast here. Um, We have Henry Cavill returning as Superman, uh, Ben Affleck returning as Bruce Wayne, Gal Gadot returning as Wonder Woman, Amy Adams returning as Lois Lane, Jason Momoa uh, making his debut as Aquaman, Ezra Miller making his debut as The Flash, 
Ray Fisher making his debut as Cyborg, Diane Lane returning as Martha Kent, and Jeremy Irons uh, returning as Alfred, and then lastly, J.K. Simmons making his debut as Commissioner Gordon. So this movie is packed full of big actors, um, but then also packed full of DC characters as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely cool to hear about the cast, but I just feel like most of them are misused. I mean, Commissioner Gordon, such a big character. It's in, like, I guess, a scene? I don't even remember. Yeah, one scene. <laughs> I think he's just a bat. Just the, uh, what's it called? The, the light shows the uh, bat symbol scene? Yeah, the that's it's like one scene, really. And then one other scene, I think, in the police station. I think that's the only time I remember him. Um, okay, so let's jump into the reception of this movie. Um, obviously, after Batman v Superman, um, audiences weren't as excited for this film, but then with Wonder Woman's success, um, interest kind of grew. However, concerns about this movie uh, resurfaced once Zack Snyder was replaced midway through production, and then some concerns continued when they announced that they were going to cut both Zack Snyder and Joss Whedon's movies together. Um, overall, though, surprisingly, this movie got a at least a better Rotten Tomato score than BVS did. Um, this one launched with a 48% or a 40%, whereas BVS launched with a 28%. Um, but a lot of the dislikes were um, they felt like Wonder Bros was meddling again in another film. Um, the reshoots were very poor, especially, obviously, Superman's mustache. Um, way too much CGI, especially in the Steppenwolf scenes. Um, and then all the introductions of the characters is very rushed, so you don't know anybody. And also critics felt that the whole Justice League team is pretty incompetent and makes a lot of mistakes. Hmm. <laughs> That's really all I can muster for this movie, dude. I, I really just don't care. I mean, <laughs> this movie just left me feeling so hollow. I mean, everything you're saying, the cast, the story, the production certainly sounds interesting. I just don't give a shit. <laughs> Well, those were the those were the dislikes. So I think it sounds like you're right on board with the critics there. I don't know. I, I don't even want to talk about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck this podcast. We're not doing this anymore. <laughs> no, I remember. I think this pretty, this was pretty much my first time watching it because I think the first time I watched it was, uh, I guess, whenever it first came out with you guys, and I really didn't remember all that much about it. I think I was drunk in this one. I think it was like drunk and falling <laughs> through all these movies the first time. I wasn't going to say it, but I, I know for a fact you were drunk when you watched it. <laughs> so I don't, I don't want our audience to go, geez, Keith. <laughs> but honestly, guys, he doesn't have a problem. It's just there's no other way to really cope with this universe of movies. So No, watching this one for the first time, really, I just thought it kind of went quick. I know it was only it was two hours, but it felt like it was an hour. Well, Warner Bros. mandated this movie cannot be longer than two hours, including credits. So really, it's probably like an hour 45 of screen time. So it's especially sure. for a movie of this size, it's a very quick film for sure. Mm -hmm. um, I'll just kind of jump into what I remember before this movie came out. I was definitely not excited for this after Batman v Superman. Um, however, I did kind of get a little bit more on board once they released that Comic-Con trailer um, of like the Aquaman-Bruce Wayne interaction. Um, and then... Eventually, they also released that great trailer set to the Heroes song, which I really liked. Um, but then it was announced that, you know, Snyder was getting replaced. And I was a little bit excited about Joss Whedon, but then I was very uninterested in this movie when they announced that they were going to cut both of their shots together. I don't know. I guess I was also kind of excited. I mean, because at that time, I just wasn't at all a fan of what Zack Snyder was doing with these movies. So I guess the idea of him leaving 
um, although through tragic circumstances. I mean, just looking past that and just looking at the movie that we were going to get, I, I was excited about the idea of them, you know, kind of parting with that direction and getting Joss Whedon in there, who obviously they got in response to his work on the Avengers. But at the same time, I was also worried because I was like, if you're going to have Joss Whedon in, kind of just maybe they should have done that from the get-go. Maybe they just should not have had Zack Snyder come back to do this movie at all. Um, and then, yeah, definitely the most worrying thing was this whole idea that they were going to have him just kind of direct the reshoots. And there was going to be a lot of reshoots. And then they were just going to drop these new scenes that a new writer and director did into an already existing movie. <laughs> and, a, and a new person scoring the movie, too. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, it was definitely a crazy idea, probably too good to be true in terms of would we actually get a good movie out of them doing this? Um, and it definitely shows in the final product. I mean, just the the tone and the vibe scene to scene is just, it's just odd. I mean, thank God the movie is only two hours with credits, so it doesn't at least overstay its welcome. But yeah, it's it's weird to go from very serious scenes to then like the whole lighting seems to change scene to scene like it gets bright randomly and there's like now there's jokes which as we kind of you know made fun of in the last two movies which had a couple just like literally i felt there was only like two jokes in the last <laughs> two movies and they were all terrible uh, <laughs> and now this movie is like half a comedy almost at times it seems so it, it's just weird and a bad comedy at that yeah not a good one I thought it came kind of soon. Don't you guys think compare if you compare it to like the Marvel movies, how that each each character had a solo movie, like you had Thor, you had Iron Man. Their plan, weirdly enough, was to like almost launch a Justice League and then have the solo movies and then have Justice League 2. Like that was kind of the plan. So okay. anyway, I, originally, like Snyder wanted to introduce everybody in this film and then have their solo movies. They just wanted to be basically, they wanted to do it different than the way Marvel did it. They all have a decent amount of screen time, particularly Aquaman, Cyborg, and Flash, where this is their big introduction. But at the same time, you know, like whenever they're in this grand final battle or they're having, you know, dialogue back and forth with pre-existing characters, I just don't really care about them too much because I don't know them at all. And it's not like, we're getting these in-depth introductions to them. I mean, I feel like each of these three characters has like a scene or two that kind of is supposed to establish their backstory. Um, and then it just kind of goes from there and they're part of the team. But yeah, it's weird to kind of just feel a deeper connection to Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. And then there's that's only half the team. And then the other half are people that we're just barely meeting and we're supposed to care about. And, you know, by the end, I, I don't really care at all of <laughs> what's going to happen to them. Well, let's let's get into the actual film. Um, this movie, Justice League, the Justice League movie opens up with an iPhone shot of Superman. Literally iPhone footage of Superman. That's the opening <laughs> to Justice League. I was hoping the entire movie would be in an iPhone footage. <laughs> I, was, I was really hoping as well. I mean, the beautiful shot composition that they set up with this opening scene it just really felt like a missed opportunity. I mean, really, we could have got a found footage Justice League film. Such a shame. No, I mean, in all seriousness, so this scene sucks. I mean, talk about just the worst way to introduce us to this movie. <laughs> I mean, talk about the worst way to ease us into this now infamous Henry Cavill mustache. 
let's let's just address it right off the bat because I I still not see I do not see the mustache. Yeah, Austin claims that he does not see it. And then literally right after we watched it, I sent him a picture, like a side-by-side of Henry Cavill looking normal and then him in this movie. And he was like, oh, okay, I see it. (laughs) Yeah, for me, and I can speak for Keith because I know he feels the same way. For us, it's just so distracting. And I I remember whenever I first heard about this and I was like, oh, that's weird because for people that don't know or don't remember, basically because of these big reshoots, he was already well into filming Mission Impossible Fallout. And Paramount, the studio behind that, basically, I guess, whether it be in actual writing through a contract, they said that he couldn't shave this mustache that he had for that movie. So they had to CGI it out. And they basically reshot all the scenes. And dude, it just, I was hoping that they might ease us into it in this movie. Like he might just have quick scenes here and there, or maybe he's not just like shown by the front or like with like intense light. So it's so obvious. This opening scene is literally just a close-up of his face with bright light shining on it. <laughs> like he's talking at the same time. So right from the get-go, this <laughs> is like the weirdest looking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and it only gets worse, as we'll talk about uh, with the, our favorite line in the movie. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> well, um, so let's move on here. Um, we get our introduction to Batman in this movie, which I think it's a good introduction. He's, stopping the guy from Mindhunter who's stealing something and then he encounters a parademon. Um, if anybody that listening in has seen Justice League War, it looks like a lot of that scene from that movie. Um, I think it's a pretty good introduction to Batman. Right away, it, it feels different than Batman v Superman. And I'm sure for some people that was good. And for some, it might be, you know, not so good if you really like that take. But yeah, just this scene alone, he just seems like a completely different character, which I guess was the idea based on the end of BBS. I don't know. But yeah, this scene kind of feels straight out of like a Tim Burton movie. And again, they're using the Danny Elfman score, like bits and pieces of his original Batman score. So that probably doesn't help. But this scene is just so weird. Like it's such a weird, like Justice League plot. Like it feels like this should have been in a Batman movie, like solo movie. But then out of nowhere, a parademon comes up. And we were joking about this previously, but like it gets caught in a net and explodes. And then somehow with its green blood leaves behind the boxes. What's later revealed to be the mother boxes. Yeah. And Batman's reaction is, I knew it. It's like, what? (laughs) How did he plan for this? Did he see another parademon explode? Like, I don't really get it. And then my favorite part of the scene is the criminal who Batman doesn't arrest or do anything with. He just leaves him up there. And he, I guess he just took whatever he stole and just left. But he's like, Batman, what was that? And then Batman just goes, Alfred. (laughs) He's like, he says full volume, Alfred, what do you see here? Or whatever he says. And it's like the criminal standing right next to him. So (laughs) he's probably like, yeah, yeah, it's just odd. Yeah. I thought it was a really weird, casual conversation between him and the guy he was chasing. It's like, look, I know with movies like this, even good ones, we have to like suspend our disbelief, you know, to enjoy scenes to the fullest probably. But this one, for whatever reason, I, I just couldn't. Him just having this really weird, casual conversation with this thief who then he doesn't arrest. He just leaves him up there. And then addressing Alfred full volume in his earpiece or whatever when this criminal standing right next to him. It was just a weird introduction to Batman that felt very, very different from the BBS interpretation. Well, so then this movie has about four other intros because we have Wonder Woman's intro where she's saving a bunch of people from domestic terrorists. 
Um, we have Aquaman's intro when he weirdly takes his shirt out, shirt off and swan dives into the ocean after talking with Bruce Wayne. Um, and then we have the Flash's intro where he meets uh, with his father in jail. Um, and then we also have to introduce Cyborg. So we have, you know, roughly four to five different, like literally different ways this movie could have started pretty much. It's like four different opening scenes, basically. Yeah, I thought the uh, the Aquaman intro was kind of awkward in a way. I remember we talked about this, I think, in the last podcast maybe, uh, about how it split from Zack Snyder to Josh Whedon's uh, introduction to him. It goes from him slamming Bruce Wayne up against the wall, like, get out of here. And then it go, and then it then it cuts to them being outside, like, yeah. So what do you want? How are you doing, Bruce? And they're just like talking casually. Yeah, yeah. And I remember when they released that Comic Con trailer, um, they definitely had like that was when Snyder was still directing. And so you see Aquaman slam Bruce against the wall, and he says "talk," and he looks like super intimidating. And so clearly that's a Zack Snyder shot. But then, like you said, Keith, it, the next scene is a definitely a Joss Whedon scene when they're just casually strolling on the beach together. Yeah, man, it's just it just this whole scene with him casually talking with Aquaman just screams like reshoot because the green screen is awful. It feels like Joss Whedon just called them and was like, hey, guys, come to my backyard. I set up a green screen. Let's film a green screen in a kiddie pool. Yeah, it feels like they just had a fight that we saw. And now he's like, Bruce Wayne dressed as a bat. It's like, okay, I guess I don't know. I don't know what's happening here, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very weird. Um, any thoughts on Wonder Woman and the Flash's intro? The Flash one's fine. I kind of expected that they do the whole dad thing, you know, going to visit him in jail. I thought it was effective. I thought it was fun. You know, he does the whole thing where he, the guy behind him is giving him a hard time. So he very quickly draws with Sharpie on his face or whatever. I thought it was fine. You know, good introduction to that character, I suppose. The Wonder Woman one was also fine. Um, I like the action in it, but the domestic terrorists, their whole thing was surprising. You know, they're, what were they trying to do again? Uh, they're, they're trying to blow up a couple city blocks to send the world into chaos. And I think their goal is to return humanity to a time before we had gods or something like that. Yeah. Who knows? I, I don't get the point of that. They, need, they just needed a device to have her beat some people up. Yep. So there you go. Um, okay, so then that kind of takes us into our first introduction to the main villain of this film, which is when Steppenwolf appears to take the mother boxes back from the Amazons. Um, I think this is my favorite scene of the movie. It's definitely a better fight scene than the final scene in this film. Um, I love the Amazons, you know, riding on horseback and just they were such a cool part of the Wonder Woman film, too. So to get get see them again was awesome, I thought. It was a pretty intense scene them, yeah, on the horseback throwing the mother box and just rooting for them to get away with it the whole time. But yeah, I thought this scene was really cool. I thought it was, <clears throat> I didn't actually, I mean, it's our introduction to Steppenwolf who looks stupid, looks awful. Um, See, I think he looks cool. He definitely looks better than he looks in the comics. I guess. Yeah. I'm not really familiar with him in the comics or whatever. I just, I think he looks so CG and just, I don't know. I just think the design is kind of silly. Just a like, guy with like a normal looking, relatively normal looking face with just a weird, shiny like headpiece on i just thought it was weird but um at the very least if you're gonna have this kind of weird introduction in terms of his motivations or whatever at the very least you get a cool action scene out of it with the amazons yeah i really like the scene it was cool to watch exciting uh, the choreography between them just like in wonder Woman, was awesome as well so that was appreciated and the actor that plays him is it sierra and herds i can never say his name i always say kirian hines but i don't know exactly how to pronounce it it's probably better than the way I'm pronouncing it. 
Um, yeah. But he gives his voice is great for Steppenwolf, and I think he gives a good performance. He just obviously he's just a big CGI boss, so he doesn't really have a whole lot to work with. You know, could have been worse. I think I definitely would put um, Zod over Steppenwolf, and I think at the very least, I know you guys feel differently, but at the very least, Lex Luthor also having just ridiculous motivations. I at least like the performance. It's a bit harder to say that here because it's like I like the voice acting, but for me, he just looks ridiculous and i mean he doesn't look any less ridiculous than lex luther looks <laughs> i guess that's fair for some i guess <laughs> the eisenberg's fake hair um my turn <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah they shoot that the amazonians do eventually lose the mother box and they shoot that ancient warning fi- fire in greece um which i think is a really cool idea i kind of like that they know the only person that's going to know what it means is diana um, and then she's going to have to kind of rally Bruce Wayne to go fight Steppenwolf. Yeah, I like that she was the one that um, kind of started it. Obviously, they kind of play it up. So Batman does the bulk of like rounding characters up. You know, he, he brings Aquaman into it. He brings Flash into it. Diana recruits Cyborg. Yeah, and Batman, I guess, kind of is responsible for Superman coming back, at least the idea of it. So, yeah, at the very least, they gave Wonder Woman kind of the role of, even though Batman already kind of knows something's up, at least she's the one saying exactly what's going on, and she's the one that kind of kicks off that process. So I like that. You know, it makes sense. I mean, Gal Gadot is great in Wonder Woman and BVS, the little we saw, and I think she's great here too. So, you know, I think she's really bringing it. How did uh, Cyborg know where they were in the woods there? I missed that part of how he remember he followed him while, while they were talking in the woods there. He kind of hacked into like basically like a bunch of news feeds and figured out who Batman was and then tack, tracked Batman to his compound. It's a really weird scene now that I think about it. Like he literally they do exposition between him and his dad and he talks about how his body is changing like every day. He's getting like these new abilities or new powers or whatever. Um, and then just randomly like out of nowhere, I guess it was a new thing. He just had like these screens like pop out of his hands. And then you can see that like he's, I guess it's just like a feed of like Batman and like he sees him unmasked. And then he sees Diana as well. But then I guess, yeah, his reaction is to then just go stand in the woods near Wayne Manor until somebody walks by to then do what? I don't know. But <laughs> Whatever. Um, so yeah, so while Diana and Bruce are talking, we get the flashback um, to Steppenwolf's first invasion. Um, and this is probably my second favorite scene in this film. We get the Greek gods, we get the Atlanteans, we get the Amazons, um, we even get a Green Lantern Easter egg, and they're all, and then obviously the armies of mankind, um, and they all kind of come together to fight Steppenwolf back. I think it's a really cool origin. Um, however, I think it would have been better if, like it was originally planned, they had Darkseid in that scene. Remind me who Darkseid is again. I keep forgetting who that is. He's like the Thanos of the DC universe. Okay. So Steppenwolf. Uh, Darkseid has his own planet called Apocalypse. Steppenwolf is like one of Darkseid's generals. So he's supposed to go forward and basically prepare the Earth for Darkseid's coming invasion. But yeah, yeah, I see your point, Austin. Yeah, they with a Joss Whedon cut, they, one of the big cuts they made was, you know, we don't see Darkseid at the end. We don't see him during this fight. So we got cut out. That being said, I think in the context of the movie we did get, the theatrical version, I do think this scene is really cool. I mean, yeah, it would have been cool to see Darkseid. I don't think that makes the movie any worse. It's not- yeah, in the movie we got, it definitely wouldn't have made sense to have Darkseid's 
uh, presence in this film. But either way, I think it's a really good introduction to whoever the villain is going to be in this film. Yeah, same. You know, we get to see like this huge battle. Obviously, it's pretty much all CG. So it already, even a few years on, doesn't look as good. But at the very least, we get some kind of cool moments. We get to see the Amazons again, the like original Atlanteans, and then the race of men having this really cool battle. Um, and then, yeah, of course, seeing the Green Lantern in any capacity was cool. Yeah, you know, cool intro. Sets up why Steppenwolf's back and what he wants to do. So worked well enough for me. Yeah, so after their conversation, um, Batman and Diana kind of split up. Diana decides she's going to try and recruit Cyborg. Um, and then Batman goes after uh, the Flash. Probably one of the funnier scenes in this movie is when Ezra Miller finds uh, Bruce Wayne sitting in his, I guess, apartment. Um, and Batman reveals who he is. And then they come together. Or, you know, the Flash immediately agrees to sign up and come join the team. He, kinda, he was kinda very calm about it whenever he's in there. Kind of creepy. <laughs> yeah how long he was sitting there yeah i don't know uh, yeah you know i thought i mean the comedy here overall does work better than in the other ones even though there's not much of it but yeah i thought this scene worked well enough you know ezra miller i enjoy him as the flash i don't think he's great i don't i don't love the interpretation but i, I think the performance is good at the very least um I do kind of like how they use the speed force in this movie, how like it's kind of something that he steps into. I think that's kind of cool. Right. Yeah, I, I guess I can kind of see see what you mean by like stepping into, yeah. And that, yeah, I do like his, um, you know, facial reaction whenever Batman throws the battering and he like looks at it, realizes that this person in front of him is Batman. And then just like kind of, he doesn't freak out or anything, but he's clearly like, whoa that's pretty cool and then he catches it so i do like that part of the scene uh and i think they even said that they were kind of going for a pseudo batman and robin relationship between this version of batman and then the flash kind of being a robin-esque mentee role so yeah it was kind of cool um yeah i enjoyed their interplay um so then the next thing that we see is steppenwolf um taking the mother box from atlantis um this is kind of where we see the first uh use of aquaman's powers um, and and we see Mira make her brief appearance. Um, this scene is definitely something that was trimmed down from Zack Snyder's version. It's a very awkwardly placed film in the movie or placed shot in the movie, and it just feels completely out of place in this movie, I felt like. Like, you don't get any background to who Mira is, and if you're a first-time fan seeing this film, you, you must have, like, no idea what's going on in this scene. It's just, again, it's a perfect example of... I shouldn't really care about this. I should just suspend my disbelief and just enjoy what's before me. But the same, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is with this movie. I just, I just can't. There's just so many weird little things, probably because of the editing choices that just kind of makes some of these things really stand out in my mind. I think it's also just like, because, you know, you know, this was two different directors. You're constantly looking for, oh, what did Zack Snyder do? What did Josh Whedon do? And so it makes it even harder to suspend your disbelief for kind of dumber moments in the movie. Yeah, I think you're probably right. So that's the culmination of the first act um, is when Steppenwolf gets the second mother box from Atlantis. Um, Then we kind of see Steppenwolf's lair in Russia and he sends his parademons out to um, start kidnapping earthlings who 
I guess he somehow knows that they're going to know where the mother box is. Um, but eventually he kidnaps um, uh, Victor Stone's father, Silas Stone. And then Cyborg realizes he's going to have to help Batman and Wonder Woman to get his father back. So then the next scene that we see is Batman, Wonder Woman, and Cyborg in the Flash um, all go meet with uh, the only scene that Commissioner Gordon is in. Yeah, this scene reminded me of uh, The Wizard of Oz whenever the Wicked Witch of the West sends out her flying monkeys. Oh. I probably, that's what I thought of. Y'all, y'all know the scene I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, you know, whatever. I think we're just getting to a point where I just don't have much to say. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. I, I don't know why he's at in Russia specifically. I don't know if they explained that, like why he has to be there. Um, and then the Gordon scene cool enough way to show off that they're coming together and he even you know mentions that it's nice to see batman playing well with others again cool but you know i don't think there's much more to say going forward in terms of plot it's just kind of be kind of from this point forward you know the team's together so it's going to be more about the action moments and that kind of thing yeah um so then they go i guess it's an abandoned subway um under gotham harbor but they figure out that that's where uh steppenwolf is um, and they take the night crawler, um, which is, I guess, like a big spider device that crawls through the subway tunnels of Gotham. Um, and we kind of also do get to see like our first full shot of the Ray Fisher cyborg suit. And man, that suit looks really rough. They definitely needed some CGI, a bigger CGI budget to pull that suit off. Yeah, I don't know why this doesn't look good. I feel like for a movie that costs $300 million, I think most of it just ended up going into these crazy reshoots. So maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe there's a different version where, or like an earlier, like the Zack Snyder stuff. I don't know. Maybe back before the reshoots, like he looked better in some scenes than if they had to reshoot it. Maybe they couldn't put as much money towards it. But yeah, I agree. It definitely looks rough for the most part. And it looks worse in some scenes than others. And it can be a little bit distracting. Yeah. Which is a shame because I think, Ray Fisher probably gives the best performance in the movie. Oh yeah. Great. Um, it's just a shame that, you know, the visual department couldn't really support his performance. Yeah. So this kicks off kind of the first like fight as a team that they have. Um, Batman and flash have a kind of a nice little moment where Batman gives the, you know, save one, just save one and you'll know what to do. Um, so you kind of get that a little bit more of that mentor relationship between Batman and the flash. I like that. I like to say one thing. I like that they establish that this version of Flash kind of doesn't have any training, which actually kind of makes sense that he doesn't. Because, I mean, since he's younger, I'm like, who would he have gotten training from? And since he's yeah. training, he doesn't know how to fight. As he states, he doesn't really need to know how to fight, essentially, because he moves so much faster than everybody else. All it really takes to do anything is push somebody. So I like that they set that up. I thought that was really cool, something I hadn't really thought of before. And so then, yeah, I like the Batman's responses. Don't worry about that. Wolf, do the fighting. You just focus on getting the hostages out of here by just saying, you know, just save one and then you'll know what to do. Obviously, once he saves one person, he feels ready to go back in and save another. So I really like that aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. And so then the fight kind of culminates um, with the uh, subway tunnel flooding. Um, Aquaman shows up. And I believe this is the only time in this movie that he actually uses his water powers yeah. um, to save the team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's the only time in the movie that he's near water, the rest of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> the only time where he could do something cool, cool looking and useful, really. I mean, he just gets his ass kicked for the rest of this movie. I think in total, for the rest, he like spears three parademons. <laughs> I mean, he, he literally, like every scene with Steppenwolf, he's, we just like 
he tries swinging his uh, trident at him, and then he just gets like punched and, and fly. I mean, this guy sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Cyborg eventually um, goes and recovers the mother box, and then Bruce Wayne reveals his plan of how he's going to bring Superman back. Um, the team kind of has like a little squabble about it, but we really don't know these characters well enough to really care about their internal squabbles or really their ideals because we just met them about 15 minutes ago. Yeah, no, Austin's exactly right. They they try and like artificially create some like squabbles between these characters and it just feels forced in order to have some conflict in the movie. And ultimately, even if it didn't feel forced, I don't know how much I would really care because I barely, again, there's like six Justice League members here. Three of them we've never met before other than one scene each in BBS. So I just don't, really care about their side of the argument or who who's like who they're voting for in terms of whose idea they think is best i just don't really care about them yeah i guess really the only two i care about is um batman and wonder woman because we do actually know them at this point and um you can definitely see the, the hurt on diana's face when batman does bring up steve trevor but that's really the only time where the conflict kind of works for me but the rest of them i just don't know them well enough to know why they're even against Bruce's plan or how they even really know that Bruce is the reason he died. <laughs> yeah, it's really forced. I mean, Aquaman has a line where he's basically saying, like, he should be at rest because that's what he would want. That's what the soul wants. Just like, I, I mean, I can't argue with that, but I don't know why you're here. Why would it? Yeah, why would he be there if he didn't want Superman to come back? If they're trying to defeat this thing, then why would he even go? If, if yeah, Aquaman of all would be supporting Superman coming back because in total, in the rest of this movie, he he like beats three people like three little parademons, he like knocks them out. So like he really should have Superman come back because he gets his ass kicked the rest of the movie and he really could use the help. Yeah, I think I think the prior fight with Steppenwolf is maybe supposed to make the team realize that they kind of need Superman because they all kind of get their asses kicked. Um, but it's so rushed. Like this whole film is so rushed. Um, yeah. So, but moving on, um, eventually they all agree to do Bruce's plan to bring back Superman. Um, Flash and Cyborg dig up uh, Superman's grave where they kind of have a nice little interaction um, and you can kind of see their relationship developing. Um, then eventually they're in the Kryptonian ship. Uh, they lay Superman's body in the Genesis chamber and then um, the Flash runs really fast and touches the box and boom, Superman's back. Um, eventually he confronts the Justice League team and uh, Cyborg loses control of his suit and attacks Superman um, and this is where I felt this. I felt like this scene was so pointless because we don't need to see Superman fight the whole team. We've already had two movies establishing how powerful he is, so we don't need another scene to show off how he can beat the whole Justice League. I thought he should have had just a mustache, you know, like just get rid of his because <laughs> his jaw looked the worst in this scene. I thought, <laughs> yeah, again, it's just because it's like this intense light, and they do close-ups of him for some reason. It looks ridiculous, dude. Um, I do like, you know, I got a kick out of the ending line where he throws the do you bleed line back at Batman. thought that was yeah. cool. But um, yeah, ultimately the scene kind of seems pointless. I mean, I get that they wanted to kind of create some conflict when Superman comes back to kind of make it a choice as of whether or not they should bring him back. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just kind of seems very easily resolved. So, you know, they just bring Lois Lane in and pretty much he's totally back to normal. So yeah, kind of goes by pretty quick. Yeah. So it's revealed that Batman's big guns is Lois Lane. 
um, and Clark and Lois fly to the farm. And I know you guys want to touch on the yes, ma'am line. In this. I mean, it's just, you know, the epitome of what we have been talking about, which is for some reason in these reshoots, they chose to do close-ups of his face. And again, in this scene, it's like the light on his face is so intense. It just even more highlights how ridiculous his upper lip looks. And then Keith and I always make, <laughs> for whatever reason, you know, whenever he says, yes, ma'am, like he opens his mouth really big and he smiles with his teeth that look fake because there's a mustache right above it. Wow. Yeah. If, I would recommend anybody, if, you, if you're not, you know, going back to watch the whole movie along with us, just watch this scene in the cornfield. It'll be <laughs> all you need. This scene's incredible. <laughs> So then that takes us into the third act. Um, Cyborg eventually uh, locates Steppenwolf's location um, and they all board the tube carrier to fly to Russia. And then, yes, Keith, this is then when we get the Aquaman sitting on the Lasso of Truth scene. I liked it well enough. I just didn't like the cutaways to Diana and Bruce and watching their weird reactions where they're like trying to hold in laughter or something. (laughs) Kind of like there's one shot of Ben Affleck when he's just like, he kind of like half points. It's just really weird. It feels like one-on-one acting. <laughs> like it's really odd. He looks like he's trying to like hold in a laugh and or a fart and then like kind of points at the last one. He's like, oh, I won't point at it. And then it just keeps on going. It's it's odd. Yeah, I think Jason Momoa like delivers this line fine enough. Um, and it, I mean, it works. I guess it's probably one of the better, funnier movies, funnier moments of this movie. Um, but once again, we don't know these characters well enough to really care about like their growing yeah. relationship i guess but i guess i mean i guess they kind of use the scene to show that i guess they're all starting to like each other a little bit yeah, more maybe so. I, I guess so yeah um and then also randomly on the troop carrier bruce just shows up in a new suit where he's got some yeah, back goggles. I, I didn't understand the need for that <laughs> i didn't know why he needed goggles <laughs> all of a sudden um i guess maybe to combat the really weird red cgi sky and light that proceeds to follow the entire final action scene. Maybe you need goggles for that. I don't know. Um, yeah. So then eventually they make it to Russia. Um, they all kind of split up to do their separate roles. Um, Batman takes the Batmobile and kind of knocks down Steppenwolf's barrier. And then eventually they all, the rest of the team um, comes to save him after all the, after his car gets overwhelmed with parademons. Yeah. And then Aquaman, weirdly jumps onto the Batmobile and it looks weird because he looks like he's too big for it. Like he looks, he looks too tall in the scene. I don't know if that was CG or how that happened. <laughs> just, I was laughing to myself because he just looks really funny whenever he lands on it. <laughs> Doesn't he get the shit knocked out of him too? Yeah. During the scene, he jumps off and he just gets out by one of the parademons and just, I remember he just makes like, Oh, <laughs> and he just goes away from like, this guy really doesn't know how to fight well he's, he's used to fighting in water and he's not near water <laughs> yeah why did they incorporate water at all in this final scene i don't know he literally he literally does not use his powers he just brings a trident and falls a lot <laughs> he really does yeah i don't know i don't know what what their goal was here i really just feel like they would have they would have still won if he literally wasn't even on this team or asked to be part of it and also, they would have won without Batman, too, because after his Batmobile scene, he has nothing to do. I think my favorite scene in the movie is there's a quick shot of Batman. He, like, disarms one of the parademons, takes their gun, and then just starts shooting them. 
And then there's a scene later where he runs out of ammo and he just like, again, it feels like acting one-on-one. <laughs> ben Affleck just like clicks it and it's empty. And then he just like pulls it up to his face and stares at it. And then he just looks terrified. It's like, is this your only game plan? Like, I guess this guy was so used to murdering in BVS with like guns and stuff that he forgot how to like fight or use his other gadgets. <laughs> he runs out of ammo on this gun and he looks like his world has just ended. <laughs> um, yeah, so then that kind of does take us into the rest of the fight. Um, Superman eventually shows up. He helps the Flash save some uh, save a bunch of the civilians that are fleeing this town. Um, I actually kind of this scene actually did make me chuckle when uh, the Flash is just pushing a car, and then you see Superman carrying an apartment building full of people. I thought that yeah, was yeah, I like that as well. I got I have one moment I want to talk about that made me laugh my ass off. Remember when Superman comes in and he like says that one line. I can't remember how it goes, but it ends with. I, let, I come for justice. And then it cuts to Ben Affleck and he's like, without, without his mask on, he's like, he looks like he's about to cry. Like, <laughs> yeah, his mouth is a gape. It's just wide open. It's like he opened his mouth all of the way and then like opens his eyes as far as they can go. And it, again, what, what's happening? This guy's a good actor. It feels like he forgot how to act in between this and Batman v Superman. It is the most weird looking shocked reaction I've ever seen. Well, he's probably upset because he he finished his, all his scenes with Zack Snyder, and he's like, "All right, I'm done." And then they were like, "No, you got to come back and, and shoot he, the whole movie he puts again." Puts a hamburger <laughs> down whenever he's reading his email. He's like, "Ah, oh, <laughs> dang it!" <laughs> oh man, we're sorry, Ben. You're a good guy, I'm sure. Um, yeah. So then this does kind of wrap up the fight. Eventually, um, Cyborg stops the three mother boxes from combining after uh, the they fake laugh together, where he's like. I would I'd take it back. I wish I was dead. And then they both just start fake laughing yeah. for like 10 minutes. It, it was weird. <laughs> I, I no joke at one point, Superman does like an old man laugh. He just goes, oh, 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 oh. Like, how old is this guy? <laughs> um, yeah, and then you kind of get that cheesy cyborg line where he's like, my toes hurt. <laughs> that's what, causes, that's what causes him to start laughing. That's where he goes, oh, 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 oh. It's like it's the funniest thing he's ever heard. <laughs> yeah, and then um, so then we get you know the shot of the whole team standing together while flowers start to bloom and in, in the background. Scene, Aquaman is like in a full body cast or should be because he got his ass kicked this entire time. <laughs> yeah, and then we just kind of get some clothing shots. Um, you know, they set up like the justice table in the manor. Um, Bruce buys back the farm for Clark. Um, and then, you know, eventually the credits roll and we get a, a I guess, Injustice Society tease where we get to see briefly Joe Manganiello's uh, Deathstroke. Oh, yeah. I completely forgot about that for the, from the first time I watched it. I forgot he even made an appearance. Yeah, I like the way he looked. He looked cool, but I, I, I don't think we're going to see him again. I, he looks cool. I, I want to see him more, but I don't think we're going to. We'll see. Who knows? I mean, with a Snyder cut coming to HBO Max, people wanting the Ayer cut. People saying that they're going to have Ben Affleck rewrite his solo movie. Who knows what could happen with Over and HBO going forward. All right. Well, that takes us into the big news that was recently announced. Um, and I guess really the whole reason we did this show but HBO Max will be releasing Zack Snyder's version of Justice League in 2021, also known as the Snyder Cut. Wow. Look at us, boys. 
We made it. Who would have thunk? I mean, I got to say, I didn't. I mean, <clears throat> what was it? November 2017, this movie came out. Everybody's been screaming for the Snyder Cut since. I go on Twitter every once in a while, and it's always number one trending for some reason. So you know what? Regardless of how good or bad it is, at least this movie's coming out. Because I can't stand hearing about release the Snyder Cut anymore. <laughs> you won, everybody. You won. Yeah, we can just go into, like, I guess, what everything the movement did. Um, so really, like you said, Matt, when this thing comes out, um, fans start clamoring for the Snyder Cut because obviously Joss Whedon replaced Zack Snyder. Um, and, you know, what Warner Bros. released was that Frankenstein of a movie uh, between the two directors. Um, so pretty much right after the movie comes out, hashtag release the Snyder Cut be begins with an online petition that garnered over 180,000 signatures and then sparked the three-year three movement that we know today. Um, so they bought a billboard in Times Square. They chartered a plane uh, during Comic-Con. And throughout all this, Zack Snyder kept adding fuel to the fire by uh, teasing his version on Twitter. Um, and then eventually members of the cast and crew joined in as well with you know Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot, Jesse Eisenberg, and Joe Manganiello all saying they wanted to see his version of the Snyder Cut. So this movement just really refused to go away. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, good for them. I think it's cool that we live in a world where this can happen, where four years after a theatrical movie comes out, you can get cool director's cuts like this. I know some people are saying this might set a bad precedent for this kind of thing going forward, but at least in a vacuum with what HBO Max is doing, I think it's kind of cool. Um, so yeah, you know, it's cool that people wanted this so bad and they're getting it, you know. And I don't even know if we should call it the Snyder Cut anymore because this thing is supposed to be four plus hours long, maybe a six episode miniseries. So it sounds like they're not really going to cut anything. <laughs> it's just going to be everything they could possibly film is going to be in this. Are they going to keep any part of Josh Whedon's uh, cut in there or, or just complete Schneider? Well, here's what we know so far. According to Zack Snyder, it's an entirely different interpretation. Um, the overall framework is staying the same. So, you know, the Justice League has to basically stop Steppenwolf and um, just like that general plot line is going to stay in there. But according to him, we only saw really a fourth of what he shot. Um, so like Matt said, this is going to be a four hour cut. They haven't decided yet if it's going to be um, a four hour movie or a six episode series. Um, but he's reassembling his, Zach is reassembling his own post-production crew to score and finish visual effects. Um, actors, according to HBO, will not be shooting new scenes, but they will be returning to record additional dialogue. And he's going to get at least 30 million to finish the project. Um, but the head of HBO Max was recently quoted saying he wishes it was only that much. So it sounds like he's going to be getting a lot more money than just 30 million as well. I feel like it would have to be more, right? Wasn't the Justice League budget, how much was it again? We said it earlier. 300 million, not including marketing costs. So... Yeah, man. By the end of this, the movie, just Justice League, <laughs> these characters fighting Steppenwolf is costing the world 400 plus million dollars, probably <laughs> just to make this, not including marketing again. So this is, is going to cost people close to a billion dollars to put this out. It's crazy. Yeah. And it also has been confirmed by Zack Snyder that Darkseid will definitely be in this movie. So we will be getting dark side as well which i know i asked for earlier so i'm happy about that yeah so i guess based on the fact that a quarter of his four-hour cut you know was used in that movie i guess by 
math or whatever, I guess that means an hour of what we saw in the Joss Whedon version, which would amount to 50% of that movie, we could expect to see in some form in the new version, um, which is crazy to think about, you know, like half that movie is just going to amount to like a small fraction of this new version. So we'll see. Because again, I think we all agreed that we liked aspects of this Justice League. There's some good stuff in it, some fun performances, some cool set pieces. So, you know, I hope they keep some of it. I would like what worked. I mean, I don't think there's any reason to get rid of the stuff that we liked and what like, you know, generally people liked. So we'll see how they put it together. Who knows? I mean, this could be a, an even crazier endeavor. You know, everybody calls the original version of Frankenstein job stitching it together, but we'll see how this is edited, you know, how it flows with all these hours of footage. I'm really curious. Yeah, I mean, it really sounds like we're going to kind of be getting more of what we asked for, which is we're going to get to know Flash, Aquaman, and Cyborg a little bit more. It, apparently, his version, according to the cast and crew that worked on the film, uh, just spends a lot more time establishing these characters. And then there's also just additional supporting characters for um, for these characters that we're going to see as well. So like Desaad will be in this, um, Volko will be in this, apparently um, the Adam and Iris West are going to be in this. And it's also rumored that we might be seeing um, a little glimpse of Martian Manhunter as well. Yeah, isn't the idea that the general or whatever from Man of Steel um, and BVS is like secretly a Martian Manhunter? Although, like, I feel like, I, I feel like that's what I always hear, that, that guy is going to be... I think that's just Martian a fan Manhunter. theory. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Who knows? I mean, th you actually, that's a good thing you bring up, though, because I am worried about fan theories with this because you know Zack Snyder has talked about that there was the four hour you know piece of footage that they shot for this thing originally so like when this thing comes out next year how much of that original version that was going to come out in 2017 like how similar is that going to be to the 2021 version because Zack Snyder seems like a guy which is good he seems like a guy that really listens to the fans but I'm wondering if he'll listen too much. Like, is his original idea going to change drastically just so he can fit in, like, every popular fan theory into this thing now that he's allowed to, you know, add... Well, well it, sounds like, it sounds like HBO Max is not going to allow him to shoot new scenes. So it sounds like he's only going to be able to release what he originally planned to film. They're just going to add special effects and record some extra dialogue to flesh things out. Okay. Yeah. It also has been rumored that Henry Cavill will be returning just to get... He may be the only one shooting new scenes just to not have to do a CGI face again, which would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, I guess that would make sense. You know what would be funny, though, is like if they're not able to shoot new scenes, so they just like uh, like 3D model, I don't know what it's called, like motion capture Henry Cavill, and then just take his like real face without a mustache and then just place it over all of his scenes in the original <laughs> Justice League. So he's just walking around and like now at least his mustache like isn't there but it's just like from the neck up it looks like fake but i guess that being said though i guess all those scenes are going to be gone because those were all joss whedon scenes so it sounds like it sounds like jack snyder is going to take everything joss whedon shot and just burn it to the ground yeah, i'm well, sure Zack snyder is very angry about everything joss whedon filmed i have a question for you if it's gonna be a four hour cut why don't they maybe cut the last hour of it and and use that for uh a justice league 2 why are they going to release it all right now that's an interesting idea. 
Yeah, so I guess I guess kind of the big change that Zack Snyder had was, um, I guess in this one, the Justice League actually uh, loses and they bring back in the time table element where um, I guess Cyborg fails to stop the unity and then the Flash has to run back in time, which is that scene we get in BVS. And then Justice League 2 is going to be them kind of getting a redo from what I understand. But it also should be mentioned that everything from like basically here on out is just speculation. So who Yeah, because I guess also it's kind of a tough spot to be in if you're WB because, <clears throat> I mean, they have Aquaman, which destroyed the box office. So we're getting sequels to that. We're getting more Wonder Woman movies. We're getting more Shazam movies. The Rock's going to be Black Adam. Obviously, that's going to eventually tie in with Shazam. Sounds like Superman may be coming back in some capacity. So like in five years, they could easily take these characters and do justice league 2 but it's like if this snyder cut comes out on hbo max and everybody loves it like do they then do a sequel to that movie do they do like i don't i don't know how it's gonna work and i don't honestly i'd be i feel like if you ask them they'd probably just say we'll wait and see how it all happens i don't know so there's there's also heavy speculation that if this does really well and you know people love this version of justice league then HBO Max may just become home to the Snyderverse, quote unquote, and the rest of Zack Snyder's plan could, could may only exist on HBO Max. So it means like every other year we have to watch a Justice League 2 that's very similar to the one that comes out in theaters, but then we have to watch Zack's version of it. So it's it's heavily speculated that you would get, you know, this Justice League, you'd get Justice League 2, and then eventually like maybe Ben Affleck's Batman movie, because it's also rumored that he's being asked to do that. But I guess Zack's universe would culminate in Flashpoint being the final film. And then that would somehow tie into, the, I guess, the theatrical universe that's also going on. But I mean, this is all speculation. So who knows what's really going to happen? And that would all be on HBO Max? <laughs> yeah, it, it would exist solely on I don't HBO know Max. How this is going to work. And then we also can't forget that apparently David Ayer is just so passionate about his cut of Suicide Squad that apparently, according to only him and literally only him, is the best movie of all time. <laughs> no, it's not according to only him. It's according to David Ayer and Jared Leto. It's the best movie ever. Released. Oh, that's right. Whenever Jared Leto came out of his COVID-19, like uh, that pilgrimage he went on, he came out and he was like th- like three months into it. Like, his little acid trip in the desert. They cut all of his best scenes. They shot enough footage for a Joker film. And according to God, David Ayer. David Ayer, he's going to make it happen. We're getting David Ayer's Suicide Squad. <laughs> Thank God. Well, who, I mean, who knows? That's another, that's another film that has its own movement. And I think these are very different circumstances because obviously Zack Snyder lost his daughter to suicide, which was one of the main reasons for him getting removed from the film. I don't think there's room for a David A or Suicide Squad, but I mean, at this point, don't tell him that. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. Um, Yeah. And I guess really, I guess the last thing I saw about this was um, Joe Manganiello, who plays Deathstroke in that end credit scene. He put out a tweet saying that they actually filmed a different end credit scene for Zack Snyder. And that's what he's hoping gets put into this movie. So we might even get a different Deathstroke in this movie. That's probably because Deathstroke was originally the main villain of Ben Affleck's movie. So it was probably a scene of them together or something. Oh, man. My head's starting to hurt. I mean, honestly, the only thing I want is I want HBO Max. I want them to announce Zack Snyder's cut of Man of Steel. And then... Everyone's like, well, didn't he do that? And it's like, but this is his second try. We're going to give him another try to fix some of the mistakes that he made the first time around. And then after that, the sequel is going to be BVS, the shorter version, which is going to be Zach going back in to just take some stuff out that we weren't big fans of. The so, shorter version is the bad version. 
Oh, you're right. Oh, I, for, I forget that the three hour cut of BVS is the is the bad version. You're right. I, I was more of a fan of the 12 hour cut. <laughs> I mean, Zack Snyder, there's two things Zack Snyder does right. <laughs> He's good at visuals. Is he? His- what, if, what about whenever Batman crawled on that wall in BVS? <laughs> what was no, that? No, that was, that was Joss Whedon. <laughs> oh, that, you're right. He did have a mustache in that scene. <laughs> No, but and his extended editions, like with Watchmen and BVS, are usually they may not be better, but they at least flesh out the story because he doesn't know how to edit his own movie. <laughs> <laughs> he insists on doing it himself for some reason, I guess. Oh my god! <laughs> I do. I do actually kind of like the idea, though, of anytime somebody tells Zack Snyder that they don't like something in one of his movies, he just says, "Oh, that was Joss Whedon." <laughs> For the idea of whenever people say, Zach, I don't like your movies, He's, he says, Well, I'll make another version 12 hours long. And I'll be wrong. I guess he kind of does always do a little bit better with the longer version. So, regardless, he's the big winner because he got paid whatever to direct Justice League, got fired from that, and now he's getting paid to direct it again. So, he's going to get paid twice for the same movie. You're right. That is good for him. I mean, honestly, I mean, we joke around, but. I mean, he left under such tragic circumstances. It sounds like WB just was not interested in delaying the movie long enough for him to grieve. Well, let's jump into that really quick, though, because there was that that rumor that was almost like proven that uh, Warner Bros. refused to delay the movie because their executives wanted to keep their bonuses. So I guess there was a plan in place to keep Zack Snyder on, but just delay the movie. But the current leadership at the time just refused to do that so they could keep their bonuses for the year because they kind of knew they were going to get canned. Yeah. you know. So Warner Brothers is still funding it, right? But HBO Max is paying for them to have the rights to it. Is that right? I don't, I don't really know, know how all that breaks down. I think, honestly, WB probably didn't want to pay for this because it's a lose-lose for them. If this movie comes out and it sucks, then people are just going to be like, why did you even like agree to do this? Why did you hire Zack Snyder in the first place? His like theatrical cuts, three out of three. They're terrible now. And then the movie's great. Obviously, WB's going to get even more shit. And WB's always been heavily criticized for meddling too much in their films. Like, regardless what you think about Suicide Squad, that definitely was a heavily mm-hmm. edited film. Yeah. Same thing with BVS, same thing with Justice League. Um, so if this movie comes out and it's fantastic, it's just going to look even worse for Warner Bros. Yeah. I don't know how they'll pivot because they're trying to continue this universe. Like, how does that work? Well, also, these changes that Zach's going to make, is that going to be canon in some form? Do they have to do Flashpoint? Uh, it, it's a lot. And I don't think anybody knows the answer, but I am genuinely curious, at least at this point, to see how it plays I don't out. Think even, I don't think WB even knows what the plan is. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. But, oh, well, we'll see what happens. I mean, I honestly do think if they, you know how Marvel releases, like, each of their phases, like, as one big box set after it's done? Yeah, I think DC is going to do this whenever they're done, and it's just going to be called the Oh Well Saga. <laughs> like, who the fuck knows what's happening, man? But some of the movies are fun. That's all I know. So as long as they keep making fun movies, I'm going to keep watching them. Well, we'll see. I mean, even before this, like Man of Steel, BVS, they were both highly divisive films among the fans of this universe. So I, I don't think all these people clamoring for the Snyder Cut I don't think there's any guarantee that they're going to be left happy when they see the final thing. No, definitely not. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely not. And I think they're going to be divided. Like all Zach's films are divisive. 
And if like WB and HBO Max don't decide to continue with the Snyderverse and this Justice League cut ends and people like it, then they're just going to be disappointed as well <laughs> that they're not going to get any more of it. So then we're going to get release the Snyder cut too for 10 years to come until Zach gets paid by HBO Max to make a sequel. No, then see, then this is going to come out and people are going to be very divided again. And then Joss Whedon's going to come out and say, well, you only saw three fourths of what I shot. So let me shoot nice. the last fourth of my movie and then we'll release get released the Whedon cut. cut. Oh, I can't wait for the Whedon cut. It's guys. a never ending cycle. That's what I wanted. <laughs> let's, start our, let's start it right here on the Arnie's. We'll, we'll do hashtag release the Whedon cut. Yeah, guys. Hashtag release the Whedon cut. Let us know what's your favorite Joss Whedon movie and why is it the theatrical version of Justice League? <laughs> uh, did you guys hear though? Did you guys, they did. I know there's so much speculation, but they did announce that, um, I don't know how it's going to work if they do it as a series, but they did say that like, if they shoot it as a mini series, like six episodes or whatever, each episode will have an, a post credit scene. And Every single one of them is going to be Joss Whedon in his writer's room. And then the hologram of Jor-El comes in. Russell Crowe, Russell Crowe coming back. to sh They actually confirmed he is shooting new scenes. Russell Crowe is the only actor coming back to shoot new scenes. And he will violently kill Joss Whedon in a new way at the end of each episode. Um, so honestly, who's the winner? And, and the they're going to... <laughs> They're going to heavily CGI his face so that way he looks more like his son in the movies. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, it, it just came out right before we started recording. That's why you didn't see it. Okay, that's fair. Anyway, guys, I think I think we got to wrap this up. Let's just call one more time. Hashtag, and, and honestly, it's about damn time someone spoke up. And I'm glad that we three gathered to do it. But release the weed and cut, guys. Hashtag release the weed and cut. Get it trending on Twitter. Let's get it out there because people need to hear about this. Joss has unreleased footage. We need to see it. We need to see it. We only saw three-fourths of it. Oh, that's a shame. I got to find out. And Warner Bros. is going to be so confused. <laughs> get it trending. All right. All righty. Well, any final thoughts before we get out of here? No. Two more hashtags. Hashtag bad lip. Hashtag yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Um, if you like what you heard here and you want to hear more, please make sure you subscribe to our channel and also share with your friends. We're trying to grow this channel. Um, the Arnie's.media is the website and at the Arnie's is the social. So we'll see you there and we'll see you next week as we do a little, a little bit more of a laid back episode. We're going to be doing a little quarantine check-in. So we'll see you guys next week.